Man, ain't God holy. All right, uh, this morning, that's what we're going to be talking about, the holiness of God for the most part. Um, We're going to continue our look in the names of God, and I pray through this study that y'all have come to a closer understanding of who God is through this study. And that's the purpose of it. Matter of fact, as I was reading this week, as I was studying, I came across a verse that, that kind of stopped me in my tracks. Um, it's, for me, this verse perfectly describes what we're going through or why we're going through these names of God. It's Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24a. It says, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this that he understands and knows me. The essence of Christianity is knowing and understanding God. Amen. And so any sense of any weakness that you have in your life, uh, it's 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 any sense or weakness is, is in your Christian life is a result of a faulty knowledge and a faulty understanding of who God is. So that means if you have a problem feeling guilty, even though you've confessed your sin, it's because you have a faulty understanding and knowledge of God's forgiveness and of God's love and grace. So today, I'm going to attempt to preach to you this name of God that Buffy graciously gave me. <laughs> Jehovah Mekadeshkim. That's how you say it. Mekadeshkim. That's the Lord who sanctifies you. And this, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Mekadeshkim. So it's the Lord that sanctifies you, and this is huge. This name of God is loaded, and uh, we're going to look at some things today um, that uh, that hopefully uh, will encourage you. But also, if it, it cuts you, and so be it. But uh, listen, God's people. When God's people are in danger of becoming like the world, they need to know and they need to understand God as the Lord who sanctifies. There's no question that Christians and in the church in America need to know. God is the Lord who sanctifies. Let me give you an example. And this is the first part where you're probably going to get mad at me. But politics, plain and simple politics. I'm so thankful to God this election cycle is over. I am tired of hearing, I'm tired of seeing from my Christian brothers and sisters politics. I'm tired of it. Look, I've got my political beliefs and I vote based on this book right here, right? But what I'm sick of, what I'm sick of hearing, what I've been sick of seeing is born-again believers, people who claim to follow Jesus, acting just like Catholics. That's what they've acted like. They act just like Catholics. They've taken politics and they've elevated it to be either even with or in some cases even greater than the position of Jesus in their lives. And that's what Catholics do with Mary. And so that's what some have done with politics. And, that, and if that's what you have done with politics, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong, all right? That was never God's intention. That was never His intention. He doesn't intend for you to run around shouting with passion your political affiliations. What He intends for you to do is run around shouting with passion your love and affiliation to Christ. Amen. So the Christians uh, who have let politics claim their life need to know God as Jehovah Mekadeshkim. All right. The Lord who sanctifies you, the Lord who makes you holy, the Lord who sets you apart from things that are secular and that are sinful. And he sets you apart from Caesar and he sets you unto the Lord. So the first time this name of God is mentioned in Scripture is in Exodus 31. So go ahead and turn there now. Exodus 31. And as you're turning, I'll give you some context 
when God called out the nation of Israel, um, he, he, when He brought them out of Egypt, He brought them to Mount Sinai and He called them to be His people. He said to them, I've called you to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood. So God, who is holy, was calling the people to be His special possession. He was calling them to be holy. They were to be His missionaries to the rest of the world. And so if Israel was going to be God's missionaries to the rest of the world, they had to maintain their distinctiveness as His people. All right, the, the success of their mission depended on them being different than the other nations, them being a holy people. All right, the same thing's true of the church today. If we're going to be successful in our mission, then we must be different. We've got to stand apart. We've got to be a holy people, a set apart people. So as God come to Israel, He said to them, you have to be set apart. I want you to be different. You're my people now. I don't want you to be like the people in Egypt. You've got to be different than the nations that surround you. All right. And there's two particular ways that God was going to set them apart and sanctify them. First was through the Sabbath observations, or observances. And, th- and this is where we pick up in Exodus 31. So if you'll all stand now, Exodus 31, stand as we read the holy and perfect and sanctified Word of God. We'll start in verse 12. Start in verse 12. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, But as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You shall surely observe my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. For six days of work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall surely be put to death. So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It's a sign between me and the sons of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he ceased from labor and was refreshed. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning with humble hearts. We come to you now asking for you to to empty each and every one of us of ourselves. Fill us full of your spirit. Illuminate us to the truth today, God. As we come to your word, all we want today is to to learn from you, to learn from your mouth, to learn from your book. There's nothing that, that I can say to these people today, Lord, that will help them spiritually. It all must come from you. So God, I ask you first to empty everyone in here of themselves and then empty me of myself and speak to your people today. We love you, we cherish you, and we ask you to bless this time now in the holy and perfect name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so there was, at this point in time, there was no other nation in existence that celebrated a weekly Sabbath. And God says to Israel, He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set you apart from all of the nations of the world and that you and you alone will celebrate a weekly Sabbath day, a weekly day of rest. You're going to be different, all right? So the Lord who sanctifies, and that word sanctified, it's, it's better translated, I made up a new word, it's better translated if we could say holified. It's the same word we translate holy, the same word in verse 14 here where, the, where, where he says the Sabbath is holy, it's the same word as sanctified, but there's not an English word for holified. So we say sanctified, but I'm going to say holyfied today, and y'all can... Y'all can, if y'all steal it from me, you have to pay me. 
All right. But if it were a word, that, 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 that'd be the better way to say it. That's, the translation is, is kind of what it means. But um, he says, I'm the Lord who holifies you. All right. So remember, the primary meaning of holy is to be separate, right? To be separate. God is totally separate from all others, right? He himself is totally separate from all the others. He's the creator of creation. He says, I'm separate from all beings. I've chosen you to be my holy people, and you have to separate from the other people of the world. You have to be different. You are to be set apart. You are to be my set apart people. And one of the ways that you alone will be set apart is one day a week, you'll set apart a day of rest. One day a week. You don't do any work at all on that day. Not at all. No work. And so when the other nations in the world... When they were working on the Sabbath and the Israelites weren't working, the other nations would look at them and say, they're different. They're not working on the Sabbath day, right? And the Israelite children would say to their fathers, well, the other nations are working. We're not working. We're sitting over here not doing anything. We're not working. And and the dads would say, yeah, but uh, we're different. God set this day apart uh, as a day of rest, as a day that's holy and set apart to him. He created the world in how many days? Six days. All right. See if y'all's listening. He created the world in six days. He rested on the seventh. And we are to follow that pattern of rest on the Sabbath as well. So, so look back at the text. He says, notice, notice what he says. He says that uh, this is to be a perpetual sign between me and you. It's a sign that you're my people because no other people in the world, no other nation will celebrate this weekly Sabbath. This is a sign for generation to generation to generation that you are my people, that you are different, that you've been set apart. All right. The word sanctify Uh, It also means belonging to the realm of the sacred. It means devoted to God. You're holified. All right. So God didn't just set set them apart for, for, um, for the Sabbath observance. Here's the second thing. Go ahead and flip to Leviticus chapter 20. Leviticus chapter 20, we'll also see that God set them apart with laws and practices. So the Israelites were captive uh, in Egypt for 400 years. They became, during that time, they became acclimated, right? They were they were custom. They became just like the Egyptians. So for the most part, they followed and they worshiped the gods of the Egyptians. They were no different than the Egyptians until Moses came along and he called them out. And so he, when he called them out, he called them to worship Yahweh. And so in many respects, they were just like the Egyptians. When they came out to become God's people, God says, look, you know, I'm calling you to be different. I'm calling you to be set apart. I'm calling you to, uh, that means you can't do the, the things that other nations do. You've got to change. You've got to do these things that I'm giving you. I'm giving you some laws to follow. I'm giving you some practices to follow. You've got to make sure that you don't do what the other nations do, that you don't become drawn into their culture. So Leviticus 20, we'll begin in verse 8. Leviticus 20, verse 8. God says, uh, keep my statutes and do them. Why? So I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I am Jehovah Mekadeshkim. So God, God, God's saying that uh, I'm the Lord who sanctifies you. Keep my statutes and do them. I'm the Lord that's called you to be different, who's called you to be set apart. I've set you apart as my people. Now you've got to go live differently, right? You've got to go be different. Verse 9, for anyone who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. He's cursed his father or his mother. His blood is upon him. So the other nations may curse their father and their mother. They can do it and get by with it, but not you folks. You can't do it. You'll die. You're my people. Verse 10, if a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. So they might do this in other nations, but you are my people. You've got to be different. You can't do that. You can't do it. Verse 11, 
If a man lies with his father's wife, he's uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. So you see what's happening here, right? God's setting up these different practices. Look back at verse 1 in Leviticus 20. He says, uh, he tells them you've got to be different. He says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, say to the people of Israel, any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel who gives any of his children to Molech shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I myself will set my face against that man and, I, and will cut him off from among his people because he has given one of his children to Molech to make my sanctuary unclean and profane my holy name. So in other words, the other nations might do it, but you shall not. You cannot do it. Verse 7, back to verse 7, it says, Consecrate yourselves, therefore be holy, be different, for I am the Lord your God. So your mission basically is to be God's representative among the nations, and it's dependent on you being different. In order to be God's representatives among the nations, you got to be different. The moment you come just like, just like the nations of the world, what you do is lose your effectiveness as His representatives. You lose your effectiveness as God set apart people. But God says, I'm the one who set you apart, and you're to be set apart. God says, remember, I'm your God. You are my people. Jehovah Mekadeshkem, the Lord who sanctifies. All right, so that's what God said to Israel. But let's, what's he saying to you and me today as Christians? What's he saying to us? Well, God's saying, I've chosen you and I've set you apart for myself. I've chosen you. So when God saved you, he chose you and he set you apart. He holified you, right? He holified you. So that's what we call positional holiness. That's point number one, positional holiness. And I'm going to give you a bunch of uh, uh, scripture references. You don't have to turn there because I'm going to read them pretty quick because there's, there's several of them. They're, they're, they'll be noted on the screen. But um, turn, uh, if you want to turn there, 2 Thessalonians 2. Beginning in verse 12, Paul writes, In order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth that had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the world, because, beloved by the Lord, not by the world, I'm sorry, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through the gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's writing to the, to the uh, Christians in Thessalonica here, and he says, I always give thanks to God for you, because you are beloved by the Lord. God's placed His sovereign grace on you, and, and not because you deserved it, not because you've done anything to earn it. It was purely because of what? His grace. Purely because of His grace. And not only did He place His sovereign love on you, but He said, God has chosen you from the beginning. From the very, what's the beginning? Before the world was even created, right? Before the foundations of the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He chose, God chose them who, God chose those whom He would save before the world was ever created. And He chose us because it was His sovereign goodwill and pleasure. That's what Scripture teaches. He says, I chose you from the beginning for salvation. And look at the next words. Through sanctification by the Spirit. In other words, God saves us when He calls us and sets us apart by the Holy Spirit. And that makes us holy, right? Making us holy. The Holy Spirit's the one who sanctifies us, who sets us apart. So when He saves us, He comes and He lives within us and sets us apart. Do you realize that no other people on this planet, no other people on this planet have the Holy Spirit living inside them? 
No one else can make that claim except Christians. That sets us apart. That makes us different. If you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you, then you're a Christian. That's what the Word says. That's the definition of a Christian. Who, he who has the Spirit of God. And nobody else but Christians have the Holy Spirit. And that immediately sets us apart. That sanctification of the Spirit. And that's one aspect of it. All right, We've been set apart. But not only that, we've been cleansed as well. We've been cleansed. The Holy Spirit's cleansed us as He comes to live within us. And how does this come? Paul said that uh, sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. So as we reach out through faith and we receive Jesus, look at verse 14. He called you that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God sanctifies us. He calls us to be His holy people. He's chosen us and set us apart for Himself. And He says, you're mine and I'm yours. All right, so let's look at three things about this setting apart, this sanctification, this positional holiness that God's given us. There's three things. The first thing is it's based on the death of Jesus. It's based on the death of Christ. In Hebrews chapter 13, uh, the writer of Hebrews is writing about the death of Jesus, and he says in verse 12, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. So meaning outside the city walls of Jerusalem, and look at what it says. It says, in order to sanctify the people, in order for him to holify us through his blood. The writer of Hebrews also says, uh, he, he mentions this, this arrangement one other time in, in chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, it says, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Look, that's important. Because it deals with your position as being a holy one, as being a saint. The word saint means that. That's what it means, holy one. And that's why the Bible calls all Christians saints. Because we are set apart for the Lord. We're set apart by the Lord and for the Lord. We're all holy in His sight because of the blood of Christ. By one offering, by His death on the cross, Jesus perfected for all time those who are being sanctified, those who have been set apart. So through His death... His death is what sanctified us, is what perfected us. First, that He purchased us through His blood, and then we've been purchased, but we've been redeemed from, from, our, from our pointless and hopeless way of life. And so we, in that way of life, we inherited. When we were born, we inherited that from our forefathers, and we've been redeemed, but not with gold and silver, right? Not with gold and silver. That didn't redeem us, but with the blood of Christ, the blood of the precious Lamb of God. Not only have we been purchased, but we've also been purified. We've been purchased and we've been purified. Uh, uh, we've been, the blood of Jesus cleanses us totally. And when God sees you and me, what does he see? He sees Jesus. He sees the one, he sees the one that's been washed in the blood of Christ, but he also sees perfection. All right, he doesn't see our sins. He sees perfect purity of Christ, the perfect purity of Christ. Because not only we've been purchased, we've been purified. And not only have we been purified, but we've also been preserved. We've been purchased, we've been purified, we've been preserved. The text says that He has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. For all time. Right? So He's going to preserve us. Not just, not just uh, He's going to keep us saved. That's eternal security, right? But He's not going to do it for a day or for a week, but for all time. You don't have to worry about losing your salvation. Because the one who sanctifies you, the one who put His Spirit in you, and He sets you apart, and He cleansed you, and He purchased you, He's going to also preserve you for all time. He's, going to, he's not going to let you fall between the cracks. 
That's not going to happen. So your heart's prone to wander. My heart's prone to wander. Your heart and my heart prone to sin. But thank God it doesn't depend on us. Right? It doesn't depend on anything of us. It depends on the one who purchased us, the one who purified us, and the one that's preserving us. That's why he could say perfected for all time. Not just when we get saved, not just for the first couple of weeks or the first couple of years, but for all time. Those who have been set apart and sanctified are holified. So it's based on the death of Jesus, but it's also this holiness is applied by the Holy Spirit. This holiness is applied by the Holy Spirit. First Peter chapter 1, Peter says in verse 2, according, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So it's the Holy Spirit that sets us apart. It's the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us. It's the Holy Spirit that's, that holifies us when He calls us a new birth. Right? Like I said before, He sets us apart because He comes and He lives in us. And look, you and you alone as a Christian are the temple of God. He lives in you. You and you alone are the temple of God. Nobody else can make that claim. No other person on this planet can make the claim to be a temple of God. Not Muslims. They can't claim to be the temple of God. Other religions can't claim to be the temple of God. Only Christians are the temple of God because through the Holy Spirit, He takes residence in us. That holiness is applied by the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right. So third thing is, it's received through faith. It's received through faith. In Acts 26, Paul He's talking, he's speaking, but he's, he's, he's talking about this encounter, his conversion encounter with Jesus. And this is where he's given his testimony. And uh, he's and starting in verse uh, 17 in Acts 26, Paul says, uh, he's speaking as if Jesus is speaking, but Paul is describing this and Jesus is speaking. But it says, to who I'm sending you to open their eyes so that you may turn from darkness to light and from power to Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins in a place and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So this sanctification, this holification, is based on the death of Jesus. It's applied by the Holy Spirit and it's received through faith. Right? It's just like salvation. It's just like salvation. Um, it's by the grace of God that you're saved through faith, right? Not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not a result of any works, lest any man should boast. Well, it's the same way with the gift of being holified, with the gift of being sanctified. There's nothing we can boast about because there's nothing that we've done. It's a matter of God's grace. It has to be received through faith in Him. All right? So that's our positional holiness, which means, just review real quick, it means God's declared you as a Christian. He's holy, set apart, pure in His sight. He says, I've chosen you for myself. It's based on the death of Christ. It's applied by the Holy Spirit and received through faith. So that's the first thing God says. Now, the second thing God says to you and me today as Jehovah Mekadeshkim, the Lord who sanctifies, he says that I have not he says now that I've chosen you to be my people, now that I've chosen you to be a holy people to live in my to, to he said now that I've chosen you to be my holy people, live like my holy people. I've chosen you and set you apart now live set apart. So that's practical holiness. Positional holiness is God's declared you holy. Now, practical holiness is how you live. It's how you live. So what needs to happen is our practice needs to move up to the level of our position. 
See, our position is that we're holy. God has deemed us holy, right? That's what I've told you. Now the way we act, the way we live, the way we talk, everything has to come up to that level, and we must live holy. We need to live like God has declared us as saints. So what does it mean to live in practical holiness? What does that mean? What does it mean to live like a saint? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you four things. First, it means to sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. First Peter 3.15 says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. That's what it says. In other words, set Christ apart in your heart as your absolute Lord. That means you surrender your will to His will. Right? He reigns. He rules. He's set apart in your heart above all others. And, and honestly, y'all know we got a lot of things in our hearts, right? We all have a lot of things in our hearts. Um, but the truth of it is Jesus is to be set apart from all other things in your heart, right? It's okay to have your family in your heart. You're supposed to. You should. It's okay to have your kids and your grandkids in your heart. You're supposed to. They should be in your heart, but Jesus should be set apart in your heart above all others. Sanctify Him as Lord in your heart. That means every choice you make, everything you do, everything you decide has to be determined by Him. It has to be determined by His will because He's set apart as supreme in your heart. If He's that, then you will determine all decisions that you make by Him. That means you go to His Word and determine what the Word of God says. All right? The will of God... What's, what's the will of God that will determine your choice? What's the will of God that will determine your choice? That, that, that will, that's what's going to determine what you do in any situation in your life, is if you go and you find the will of God, and, and you do that in the Word. It's not what I want. It's not what, what my, my husband or my wife wants. It's not what my, my cousin wants. It's what he wants. I've been set apart as, uh, or I've set him apart as Lord in my heart, as King, and it's his way, not my way. All right, that's the first thing that it means. Here's the second thing. It means to live in purity. To live in purity. 1 Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 3, Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, he says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. This is the will of God, your holification. He's not talking about positional holiness here because that's the, the, we're already positionally holy. The Thessalonians were already positionally holy. God's declared it, right? He's already sanctified them, but he's talking about practical holiness. That's this is the will of God, your sanctification, your holiness. So if you abstain from and in the context here he says if you abstain it is that you abstain from sexual immorality. Right? That's, a, that's a particular problem that Paul was dealing with with these Christians here in Thessalonica. So he says, look, God wants you to be holy. He wants you to be set apart, in particular in this area of sexual immorality. He wants you to abstain from it. Verse 4, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. All right, and then if you look down at verse 7, uh, verse 7 it says, For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So in other words, God made you holy. Now He wants you to live like it. He made you holy. Now live like it. That, that, that means to live in purity. Purity of mind, purity of will, purity of action. He says, you're my people. Now live like it. You're my people. Now live like it. All right, the third thing is, is we're going to live by boundaries. We're going to live by boundaries. As Christians, we are to live by boundaries. 
2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14, this is where this is talked about. And this is probably one of the clearest passages in all of Scripture about how we're called to be different from the world. We don't like to be different. None of us like to be different. People don't like to be different. We want to fit in, right? All of, that's, that's, that's why ain't nobody here today wearing something outlandish because we're all dressing pretty, pretty well the same for the most part. We want to fit in. We don't want to be, we don't want to stand out. We don't want to be different. But the truth is, as Christians, we got to fight against our natural inclinations if we're going to be different from those around us. We got to fight against that. See, most of the people we go to school with, go to work with, most of the people that we uh, see at the ball field, uh, we, we hang around these people and most of them aren't Christians. Most of them aren't Christians. Really, truly are not. Look what Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Starting in verse 14, do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what, what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out of their midst and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And over in chapter 7, verse 1, uh, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So God says, come out of their midst and be separate. You see that phrase, be separate? It means to set down boundaries. Set your markers. Set boundaries. That's what the root word means. God's saying that you as a Christian, you've got to be fenced in. You got to be fenced in. You got to put boundaries around yourself that you're not going to cross, that you don't intend to cross. There's certain things that, that you and I as Christians are not to do. We should not do. The world might do them. The world may be able to do them, but we're not. That's, that, that's a boundary we have, right? We, we, we should have boundaries that we don't cross, that's off limits to us, that, that make us different. Right? We're going to be different as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, as children of God. There are boundaries that we've got to place around ourselves, and they have to be different than the world's boundaries. Right? Right now in this country, we're in a cultural war. We are. You know that as well as I do. The, 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 the um, biblical worldview versus the unbiblical worldview. Right now, we're in a cultural war. They're telling us that there are certain things that... that, that um, that we know as Christians are not acceptable to the Word of God. They're not acceptable, but the world says they're acceptable. Uh, but the Bible says they're not. The, the Bible says they're not proper, right? That they're not, they're, they're, they're things that we should not do. And we're clashing with people because they want to, when we want to stand up for what's right and what we believe in, they attack us and say we're narrow minded. They attack us and say we're forcing our religion on them. That's what they tell us. So we're in this cultural war. And we have to take it upon ourselves to train our kids, train ourselves that we have boundaries, right? That there are boundaries that we as believers are to put around ourselves and not to cross those boundaries. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and give you a list of boundaries because that's legalism. That's what that gets into. You yourself have to go to the Word of God. You have to get in front of God. You've got to say, all right, this is a boundary for me, for my life. 
I mean, we go down a list and, and I can give you boundaries, but I'll be putting you under some kind of legalism if I did that. So you got to go to God and you got to say, all right, Lord, you got to go to his word. I mean, I can tell you just standing up here, premarital sex is one. That's a boundary, right? Because the word of God calls it sin, right? The word's clear about that. But there are some areas that you're going to have to get in the word and you're going to have to say, all right, now as a believer, as a set apart child of God, I'm not going to participate in this activity. I'm not going to be a part of this. I'm not. The world might participate in it. The world might be able to do it, but I'm not. Because if I do it, I lose my distinctiveness as a child of God. God's called me to be holy. God's called me to be different. God's called me to be set apart. So if I do this, if I cross this boundary, then it causes me to lose my witness if I'm involved. So I got to set this boundary and not cross it. Otherwise, I'm no different than they are. I'm no different than the world. But look, I am different. And if you're a child of God, you're different. So you got to live different. You have to be different. I'm to live as I'm a slave to righteousness. Right? That means the slave does what his master says. Right? That means that you and I do what the Bible says, what the Word of God says. That's what it means to be a slave of God. God's righteousness is revealed where? In His Word. That's where His righteousness is revealed. So that's what we do. We follow His Word. We don't obey sin. We only obey righteousness, which leads us to the fourth thing, that fourth thing now. Live in the Word. Live in the Word. Don't just read it. Live in it. Right? That's the key to sanctification. The key to practical holiness is living in the Word of God. That's it. Jesus, uh, in John 17, 17, in His high priestly prayer, He prays to God on your behalf, on my behalf. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. Amen. He says, holify them in your truth, God. So you want practical holiness, you've got to get in the Word of God. Plain and simple. Because that's where His holy standards are revealed. That's where His power for you to live, His will is found. That's where you're going to find it, is in His Word. It's just that simple. You can't leave a se- live a separate life if you're not in the Word of God. If you don't pick up the Word of God, if you don't get into the Word of God, you can't live a separate, set-apart, holified life. It's impossible. The first thing, God, first thing God says, He says, I've called you and I've set you apart from myself. The second thing He says is, now that I've called you and set you apart, I want you to live like you're called and set apart. And He says, I will enable you to live this set-apart life. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says it's God who will sanctify you entirely, completely, totally. And it's a growth process, it is. God says, I'll bring you into this spiritual maturity. You'll travel and grow into it. I'll bring you into practical holiness, but it's a cooperative effort. It's not, a, it's not all based on you. It's not all based on God. It's both. You don't passively sit by. You've got to cooperate with God. It's like over in Philippians 2 where he says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So it's a cooperative thing, right? Our part's to be holy, right? It's to, it's to live a different life. And it's your, uh, it, that, that our part is to desire that. It's to desire to be holy. It's to desire to be, live a different life and to trust God, right? We trust God to do everything necessary to accomplish His sanctifying work 
in our lives. It's God that's going to change your attitude. It's God that's going to change your feelings and change your mind about stuff. It's Him that's going to do that. It's God who's going to take these unholy desires that you have and replace them with His holy desires. It's God that's going to take those impure thoughts and replace them with His pure thoughts. But you are to desire to yield your mind to Him and then trust Him to do it. Right? You can't just say, well, I'm saved now, God. You've got to change me. You've got to have a desire to be different, and God is going to make you different. Right? Your part is to act in faith, to obey Him, to get into His Word, to obey the truth of that Word, and to look, for him, to, look to Him for the grace to do it. He gave us positional holiness. He's declared us holy, and He will enable us to live a holy life as we look to Him and trust Him. Right? It's Jehovah Mekadeshkum. Y'all say it with me. Jehovah Mekadeshkum. Let's see it. The Lord who set us apart. It's the Lord that separated us. It's the Lord that's made us holy. The Lord who sanctifies us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Lord, we, we, we love you. We praise you. We honor you now for, for your plan. Why it looks like it's big and grand, and it is big and grand, but it looks so massive to us. It's really a perfect plan that you have put into place, and it makes sense as we read your word and we learn more who, about who you are. This whole plan that you set forth before the foundation of the world becomes clear. We thank you for what you've done in, in your plan to set us apart and make us a different people. God, I pray that we are all different. I, think, I pray that we all come out of this place today and we all desire to be different. We don't desire to look like the world, to smell like the world, to act like the world. We desire to be different from the world. As Jesus prayed to you in John 17, Lord, he says, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. I'm praying that you leave them in the world. So we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. And so, God, we're not of the world because you have sanctified us and you have set us apart. So now let us go live set apart. I pray that for every person in this room today. We love you. We honor you. We bless you. We cherish you now in the holy and beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So God's holy, right? He's perfect. And because he's holy and he's perfect, he requires perfection from us, right? Amen. Holiness is what? The inability to sin. That's what it is. It's the inability to sin. It means moral perfection. And it's something that God alone possesses. Only God possesses that ability. Holiness is an attribute to God's perfect nature. All right? Therefore, since there's no one greater than God, and God is the greatest good, God has set the standard, right? It's necessary. The standard of what is good is God Himself. He's the standard. Y'all understand that? Is that something we all understand? So the law is a reflection of his character. The law is a reflection of his character. The reason that it's wrong to lie, cheat, and steal is because God can't do these things. That's the reason that, that it's wrong. The re because he's holy, he's incapable of lying, he's incapable of stealing, cheating, anything. He, he can't do it. So the law becomes the standard of God's righteousness. But we are capable of doing those things, Right? We are capable of lying, stealing, cheating. We are. We can't keep this law. We're incapable of keeping the law because we're not holy. Now, I just sit here and preach the whole sermon about how we are holy. But as unbelievers, before we 
are born again, we are unholy. We're sinners. We're lawbreakers. There's no, and there's no law that doesn't have a punishment, right? There's no law that doesn't have a punishment. There may be bad judges who don't adequately punish broken laws, but, but God is not one of those bad judges. He's, not, he's a good judge, and His punishment for breaking His law is eternal damnation to hell. That's His punishment. Uh, he's a good judge. So that's that, and that's who we are, right? That we're, we're born when we're born, we're born sinners. We're damned to hell for all of eternity from the moment we take our first breath in this earth. So if there, if something doesn't change in our lifetime, we're born sinners. If something doesn't change in our lifetime, then we're going to die sinners. And that's not what you want to have happen. You don't want to die as a sinner. You don't want to be there. So there's the gospel. There's the gospel, the good news that the judgment of God upon the person who's broken his law, which is you and me, it can be removed in the person of Jesus. That's the gospel. This is done because Jesus, who's the son of God in the flesh, was able to perfectly live out the life that we can't live out. The perfect life, not lying, not cheating, not stealing, not doing anything that would break God's law. Jesus kept that law 100%. He's the only one that ever did it. And because He was the only one that ever did it, He offered a sacrifice to God the Father, and His sacrifice was His death on the cross. That was the payment for the penalty of breaking the law of God. Jesus made the payment. So the payment He made was for you and me, right? He wasn't making a payment for Himself because He didn't owe anything. When Jesus died, He had no debt. He had no sin debt to pay because He was perfect. But He paid a penalty for you and for me because we have a debt to pay and we can't pay it. We cannot pay it. So here's the deal. Jesus paid it for us. He offered Himself in in our place. He died. Three days later, later He physically rose from the death. And that was the proof that that His words and His deeds and and His sacrifice were true. So if anyone wants to escape the righteous judgment of God, then that person must receive the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. You have to receive it. That's done by faith and repentance. By turning from the sin life that you're living now and leave it behind. Leave it behind. By believing that Jesus is exactly who God says He is. That's what's going to save you from the wrath of God. See, we got this misconception that, that when God saves us, that He saves us from the devil, that He saves us from hell. No, God saves us from His wrath. When He saves a sinner, we're saved from the wrath of a holy and sanctified and set-apart God. He saves us by holifying us, by sanctifying us. We, he set, and He sets us apart for His use. So today, I'm going to ask you, if you've not received that, would you receive it? Would you receive it today? As we have this time of invitation, you can come to the altar and we can talk about salvation. We can, we can talk and have a conversation about baptism, uh, church membership. But, but right now, as we have this time of invitation, as Mr. David plays, we can all stand now. Um, I would ask you to respond to the, to the leading of the Holy Spirit now.